Welcome. Welcome to, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes, I already know it, of the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Yurich and I am the uh, founder of 1000 Hours Outside. And I have with me for the second time, I'm just so pleased and thankful, Sharon Lovejoy. Welcome. I'm so happy to be with you. Yay. Yeah, you have just changed my life in such significant ways. And and I know you're touching uh, families and children and parents around the entire world um, with the resources, the beautiful books you've created. And so... um, Thank you. I mean, it's hard work to write a book, and um, and you've written so many of them and illustrated. So my my gratitude goes out to you. You know, your books are not only my favorite gardening books; they're just my oh. favorite books. You know, I mean, and I have a lot of books. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're just the love, so lovely. So, can I tell everyone about you for a minute? Uh, it depends. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Sharon, and you can you can uh, chime in. I got you got this list. Look at this list of all these things you've done. I I just uh, I'm so impressed. Um, but you are a natural born storyteller and an award winning author and illustrator. You have fiction and creative nonfiction books. Ten books ranging from children's picture books to adult and children's organic gardening books. You've done magazine articles, a historic middle grade novel, and then you've just been everywhere. A docent naturalist for the Morro Bay Museum of Natural History. You've been working at the Smithsonian Institute in Baja, California. You've been on uh, the Today Show on NBC, Victory Garden on PBS, HGTV. I mean, you are everywhere. Sharon, this is so amazing. You've um, been on radio programs, including NPR, and uh, your books and magazines are all over the world, U.S., Great Britain, Japan, um, and you live with your husband, Jeff, who is, I always love it. You guys do things together. You know, this is really, really special. So, and you've just won all these awards. I can, I'm going to lift up a couple of these books here, Sharon. Um, Do you have, do you have a favorite? Well, I love Running Out of Night because it was my first, um, it was my first fiction novel, but I have to say that probably Roots, Shoots, Buckets, and Boots, um, I love Roots, Shoots, Buckets, and Boots. It almost killed me doing it. It took, you know, thousands of hours, and, but I love it because wow. children like wow. looking at all the pictures and remembering all the trivia and science, and I, I love that, so Probably running out of night in root shoots, buckets, and boots, but they're all my children. <laughs> they are. They are. You know, I would say, Sharon, that those are my two favorites as well. I read Running Out of Night and I couldn't put Good. it down, uh, which I know it's for middle grades, but I read it. We were on vacation and I stayed up late to finish it. I really, really enjoyed this book. And Root Shoots, Buckets, and Boots changed my life. This one oh. here. Adults, I think I told the story in the last podcast, but I got this right before going out to dinner with my husband, Josh. And we, you know, it was when our kids were small and we didn't get to go out to dinner very often. And I just ignored him the whole time because <laughs> I was fingering through the book and dreaming of of what um, what I could grow. But And I want to show just some of your other ones here. You got the children's book. Uh, which is a favorite in our house, The Little Green Island with the Little Red House. Such an eclectic set of books. Trowel and Error, uh, 
which just, I mean, it's just a fun way to talk about shortcuts and tricks, blessing of toads, um, a guide to living with nature, such a beautiful book. There's so many. This one is now called Camp right, Granny, right? right. Um, which is a fun book for anyone. I see you've got the big sign behind you. So that's beautiful. And then I've got some of the ones um, that sometimes are a little harder to get, but Hollyhock Days and Sunflower Houses. And then I remember we talked last time that there was one I was missing. It's the one about the birds. Oh, right, I right. Think. And they sold out and it yeah. didn't go back to press. So yeah. hopefully yeah. find another family yeah. for it. Yeah. So, um, you know, my story is that I wanted to garden, but was really scared of it. And I read a ton of gardening books and and then um, it was your book. It was Root Shoots, Buckets and Boots. My midwife told me about it. And um, that's the one that changed things for me because instead of feeling bogged down by the details, I felt invited uh, to join into a new way of life. And um, and so you know my story. And if people watch me on Instagram, I'm, I'm always posting about my flowers. Um, but but I want to, it's, it's gardening season, Sharon. <laughs> so... So I want to talk, you know, I want to find out about you. And I know our listeners just love you. I got so many messages. People are like, she's my favorite. I love her books. Um, so let's talk about you. Let's talk about your garden. Um, and uh, let's talk about what are you going to grow this well, year? Well, I, I sent off um, so many, for so many seeds. And, I'm ex you know, you get so excited every spring. Yes. I'm here, you know, yeah. I'm in Maine part of the year and here, here I garden pretty much all year round. Um, I, I grow, I've really focused more and more and more on native plants because with the condition of our globe, we have to really worry about our pollinators, about our native insects, about our birds. So I have a lot of berry producing plants that are native berry producing plants. I have tons of annual uh, California wildflowers that I seed out. I grow California bulbs. Do you realize how many bulbs we have here in California? Fabulous bulbs. And um, then I have a few hundred large containers and I grow salad herbs and, or salads and herbs and flowers and um, rare plants that I propagate. I propagate native cuttings. And, you know, I keep telling Jeff, oh, I'm only going to grow natives. And then we go to a special nursery and I come out with edibles and I come out with rare succulents. I have a succulent collection. <laughs> and um, he said, what's this about only growing natives? I can't help it. I have, you know, I love so many things. So I, yeah, I grow just tons of things that I really am. I started training at the Santa Barbara Botanic Garden when I was a young, young, young woman. And I think that was the foundation of so much of what I do now. Uh, I, I worked with really wonderful people, took classes there and got to work propagating in the greenhouses. And it, it changed my life. And that's what we want to do with kids. We want them to garden and have, even if they have one small victory, a pumpkin, one pumpkin, one patch of zinnias, which changed your life for sure. I've never seen such great mm -hmm. zinnias in my life as Ginny's zinnias. Oh, yeah. So every morning when I get up, I'm so grateful. I walk out and I say, good morning, garden. And the birds that come to greet me, the lizards, the, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. I live in the city. 
And so I'm a, what I call an urban farmer. Um, you live in the country. I'm, I hate to think of what would happen to me if I lived in the country. I'd have acres of um, plants to tend. But I've found that you can live in the city and really have a diverse habitat and have wildlife visiting you and have incredible plants, incredible food. We have a city lot and we have 74 fruit trees. A lot of them are dwarfs or semi-dwarf. A lot of them are big. And um, so if you were to look at our property from Google, you'd see that we're surrounded by cement and asphalt because most people are not gardening around here. And then you see this green oasis. And I'm telling you, we've even had great blue herons come into one of our fountains. It's just, you know, that's kind of wonderful, but it's also sad. But so you can garden anywhere. You can garden on a balcony in New York City. You can bar, you can garden in Los Angeles uh, in a tiny patio. You can garden anywhere. And you just have to just Figure out what you want to do. Don't be like me, <laughs> buying every kind of plant you can figure out what you want to do and then go for it because it's not expensive. <laughs> you know, starting from seeds and propagation is just the last great bargains on earth. I just, you know, do it. Yes. Oh, you said so many things that caught my attention. Um, one of the things that you said was uh, this good morning garden. And, you know, for me, I didn't really realize the depth of the benefits that I would get personally from gardening. I just wasn't aware of how much it would make me love life, you know, and, and be excited to get up in the morning. And like you said, it's such a sort of simple thing and seeds can be cheap or propagation. And, you know, it just it adds that level of excitement and novelty uh, to see what's out there. So, um, you know, so what are some other benefits of gardening? Well, first of all, you said it perfectly. It, it changes your life. And, you know, you're not just, I think I was at my dermatologist because obviously I'm a redhead and I've had tons of skin cancer. And he said to me that his oldest patients are that garden are the fittest. They're not going to a gym. They're bending, they're lifting, they're stretching, they're they're walking through their garden. Sometimes before I, because you know, I, I carry my phone around with me, which is horrible, but I do in my in my apron pocket. And sometimes just in the garden, before I even take a walk or anything, I'll get four or five thousand steps just in the garden, running all my errands and things. But I think probably mental health is the most important thing. If you're not healthy mentally, and if you're depressed, it's like a huge giant boulder on top of your heart and your head. So th those times that I've had really bad times, like when my mom died, um, I asked Jeff to take me to a nursery and he took, oh, sorry. And he took me to a nursery and I bought, um, Sempervivum Tectorum, all these little teeny times and things. And I went to our house in Damariscotta and I sat on the ground and I spent hours planting these little things using a fork and a spoon. I go out with a flashlight at night and look at the face of a sunflower. And it's just utterly amazing the life that's going on at night too. It's just amazing. So I, I'd have to say that physically fit, more physically fit. Of course, if you're gardening on a balcony in New York, you're going to depend on the mental part of it more. And it, it is your friend. Your garden is your friend. Good morning, garden. Good night, garden. I go out all the time and check on it. 
and I'm looking for sphinx moths and the critters feeding at night. And, you know, it is your friend. It is your friend. Yeah. What's interesting is I think that I've been reading about light, you know, and how light is a sunlight uh, and outdoor light is a guide for our body. And so what's really neat is that, like you said, you can get out all through different times of the day and that light, you know, how it changes in its color and spectrum is guiding your physical body as well. And so, you know, you even have in your book, you talk about, you know, different plants and flowers, you know, that will, that will bloom, you know, at different hours, like a flower clock almost. Right. Well, I wish I could take credit for that, but that was Linnaeus and Linnaeus had a flower clock, a floral clock that he designed. And I did that in Sunflower Houses, which is the first book I ever wrote. Um, and I laid out plants in my floral clock, which I think is great for children to learn, that open at a certain time and that close at a certain time so that children can go out and watch this um, and I'm sure you grow poppies, the Schultzia, Californica, and some of the other ones. And you can actually sit down and watch for 45 minutes, half an hour, and watch things breaking open out of their papery cases and slowly unfolding like a ballerina getting ready to dance. And it's just, you know, so it's guided by light. And it's something you can do with children. And it's free. It's all free. All you have to do is look your heart. That's really what's important. What a fun way. What a fun way to learn how to tell time, you know, as opposed to a worksheet or a workbook. Um, you know, I mean, that's fantastic. So, um, okay. So I want to ask you about sort of the, the intricacies. Are there some things that you've grown in the past that didn't work out and you tried again? <laughs> yes. Gardening isn't a sure thing. It's about patience and believing. And if you look at a seed and you hold a carrot seed in your hand, you have to be a believer because that carrot seed's as small as a lead of a pencil, smaller than the lead of a pencil, and it's going to turn into a carrot. So it's about believing and it's about patience and just doing things over and over and and if you were to walk through my garden right now in my courtyard, farmer's market, and you buy something and they come in those little baskets. Yeah. Well, I have those little baskets all over my courtyard garden because I'm protecting baby seedlings. Mm -hmm. The birds love them. I love them too. So I use those little green baskets and a chopstick to hold them in place, poke it right through the basket and hold them in place because ground squirrels, squirrels, birds all love to eat these baby plants. I love California poppies. I love Johnny jump ups. I love Johnny jump ups. I love sunflowers and everything loves them too. And they love to eat them. So I have to protect them with um, uh, milk cartons that are cut open, uh, those little baskets, uh, chicken, chicken wire, a lot of different things to protect my plants while they're just getting started. Patience, belief, and um you know, just going out and interacting with them every day. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day 
every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last minute get together recently and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchap.com slash outside120 code outside 120. You find that when you interact with them every day, you start learning their habits. You learn, um, I'm learning about uh, all sorts of things about how plants lean away from things that are encroaching on their light and uh, phytogenic, you know, phytogenic mysteries that we can learn from our plants. So it's about being connected to your garden. Once you're connected to your garden, you'll know what's going on. You'll know, oh, I saw that white crown sparrow having a salad and it was my new plant. So you're going to have to learn how to take care of your plants when they're young. You have to be patient for the growing process. But, you know, heck, look what your reward is. How do, I don't know how your zinnias did last year, but your zinnias looked incredible when I saw them. Oh, my gosh. They're like saucers. <laughs> Well, I, and I agree with one of the things you said at the very beginning, and this is sort of what changed things for me was that I was scared of failure. Um, but, but when I had, you know, so we had planted some seeds, some zinnia seeds and the chickens got to most of them, you know, and dug them up, you know, but I had maybe two or three plants that that grew and you know they produced so many and they right. produced for so many months you know into october for us here in michigan and i got so much joy out of a, f- a few that grew and that's what i didn't realize was that like you said one pumpkin you know one pumpkin is magical you know one one of this or one of that and i have really enjoyed you talked about a little bit just a, a bit ago about 
this interaction with nature. Like, um, you know, we did the sunflower house. It's never really worked out quite like <laughs> I've hoped. We've tried for three years, uh, but but I have these beautiful sunflowers, and I you know learned which kinds we like. And anyway, a storm took it out this past year, you know, so they're kind of falling oh. over. And um, but anytime I go out there, there'd be these yellow finches, and they would fly away, you know, as soon as we went out there. And and I would think, well, where would those finches be if not for our you know our falling down sunflower house, you know? Um, yeah. And and so it's like this. You're, you've made a home for That's these a, animals and insects. You know, when I'm working out in the garden and it's such an amazing thing, I can lift up a rock and I see a whole world. And that's a great thing to show the children. Here I always have my, my magnifying glasses with me. I feel like we create all these mini worlds all around the garden. When you watch your goldfinches, they might've been going after seeds, but they love to eat sunflower leaves that's their salad. They love those leaves. Oh. So, you know, you're seeing them eating their, their salad after their meal. So, um, yeah, you create little mini worlds. Even I have all these containers. Uh, the reason I have them is I started gardening in containers when I was 16. I used tomato cans and things like that. And I got containers. I've got one tree that I've had for 60 years, 56 years. Um you become very intimate with your plants that are in containers. You can do them in half barrels. I've grown great pumpkins in half barrels. I've had water gardens in half barrels. Wow. You can get so intimate with plants when you grow them in containers. And I say, start small. And yes, you will have failures, but you learn from failures. You do learn. From I learned when I put in our, when my husband and I put in, and my sons put in our children's garden in Cambria, that the sunflower house couldn't take all the loving from a hundred thousand people that came through. So we built, uh, a, I think a two by two framework and put that box wire on it. And we turned it into a, a, a real kind of looks like just a framework of a house. And then we planted the sunflowers and things on that and the morning glories. And then we planted gourds on it and gourds were hanging down inside like, it was as though there were lights hanging down inside. It was just amazing. Wow. I, or I think Jeff sent you that article about our children's teaching garden. Yes, he sure did. We, he sure did. We reached, you know, hundreds of thousands of people with that. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I know you have this is the coolest resources you sent over um, just recently to this recipe for growing a garden. <clears throat> uh which I love, you know, all your, all your drawings. I wanted to ask you kind of about your, your story. Um, so I guess one half would be, you know, your gardening story. Um, so I know you had talked about gardening with your grandma and that you could run over and she had a colander and you'd rinse off the things right there and you could eat right out of her garden and, and you still have a colander. And then you talked about, you know, you started container gardening at 16 and, and you worked at the botanical garden. So there's that half. And then there's also this illustration half um, <laughs> where if people have not seen your books, I mean, they are just beyond lovely. And you have illustrated um, all of these books. I want to try and grab without knocking the stack. But um, <laughs> while I'm grabbing root shoes, buckets and boots, you know, would you tell us a little bit? Okay, I'm going to grab it. I've got it here. I mean, so these are all your uh just gorgeous um illustrations it's and it's everywhere 
it's all over the book. It's in the margins. Um, so, so I'd love to hear a little bit about your, your gardening history, but then also about uh, your drawing, you know, were you always interested in illustrating and drawing as a kid? And I wish, I wish I had, I found um, a year ago, I found one drawing that I made when I was eight and it was of an angel. It's my, probably my first good drawing, but it wasn't really good. It was this big and oh my gosh, she looked like a bowl of jello or something. But um, I always like to make small sketches. And so in high school and my group, one of my best friends, well, I have a group of girlfriends that all went to high school, junior high and high school together. And she said she'd always watch me just so intensely and intently drawing in my art class. And I loved it. You know, that was just opening a new life for me. And I started keeping a journal. I actually wish I had it out here. I'd share it with you, but it's heavily illustrated. And in fact, I think they used a lot of the illustrations from my journal for trial and error. Oh, that's really neat. I didn't know that. They took it right out of the pages of my journal. Uh, and wow. shoot, I would have gotten it out. But um, so in high school, I loved drawing and painting. And then I went on to a junior college because I was told I was not a great student. I had family problems after my grandmother died. And I was told that I was not college material. And all you need to do, and I could never play a musical instrument. And, all, and that I was horrible at math. And all you need to do to a child is to put that wall up there for them because I beat my head on that wall. I couldn't do music. I couldn't do math. Uh, I'd never go to college. So, well, I love music. I can't do math, but I went to college. I went to a junior college to start out and I took art classes and the, and the pro professor would say, those are too small. Those are too cartoony. Those are too realistic. They're, they're just too small. They're the, you know, but that's how I saw things. So I was able wow. with a small garden, I felt in control. And with small drawings, I felt in control. Wow. So um, I, I really did well in art school. And then I went on to a university. And I really did well at creative writing. And I did well um, in all my art classes, although many of my teachers did not like my small things. I even did, and some of this was because of no, no money, but I took uh, textiles classes. And I had to do a final weaving to get in the master's program and I had to do it I did it on a little board that I made and I did wove it with silk and little miniature beads and I made a butterfly's wings and I, and I used a Thoreau quote about why do I need to travel the world when I see the world in the wings of a butterfly it was somebody's quote and wow. so I did it my way and I did really well and then my mother said to me well what in the world are you going to do with a degree in art <laughs> Well, I started a business and every day I'd get up and I'd draw on the board, the chalkboard at the entry, and I'd put a favorite quote and I would have a picture of flowers and I'd have nosegays for sale and herbs. So my business and my home and my son were my creative outlets. And see, I believe you can make, and I especially think it's important for women, if they can do their own business, if it's on Etsy or if it's on Instagram or Facebook, whatever, that women can do their own businesses and can surmount all obstacles. Because I had a lot of obstacles to surmount. And wow. 
somehow did it. And um, I was a single mom for quite a, quite a long while. And I think I raised one of the finest men I've ever met. And I was lucky to find Jeff. And I think Jeff was lucky to find me. <laughs> and yes, we, I think so too. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we raised Noah and also raised Noah to be a gardener. He's a great gardener. He, from the time he was 10 days old, was out in the garden with me. And I would take his little hand and rub it across the peppermint geranium or crush up orange bergamot mint or touch the woolly lamb's ear. 10 days old, children are absorbing all these things. They're smelling. You can see their faces reacting to aromas. It's just utterly amazing. So I started my son when he was 10 days old. And now I go to his house and go, come out and look what's going on in the garden. Look at this. I got this plant on Etsy and it's a rare, this, 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 he had really weird plants, but um, a lot of tropicals and things that I don't grow, but he's just as invested in his garden and it's his mental health. And again, we go right back to that lifting depression and what a garden and what the critters in a garden can do for your, for your whole spirit. I depend yeah. on it. I really do. Yeah. Sharon, what a story. I'm so inspired. And I didn't know your story. I know I said the last time we mainly talked about your books and um, and your books are so wonderful. We just, that's kind of all we got through. But you know, it is interesting. So this is the one that came from your journal? Yes. When I wrote that, I wrote over 400 pages. And um, a lot of things I'd write in my journal, for instance, the potato cradle. Um, I was a big fan of Gene Stratton Porter, who wrote a lot. I don't know if you've read Gene Stratton Porter. She sold seven books a day. That copied it. It was a story about her life. And I copied it down. And I saved all these oddball things. And, and then I did all the scientific research behind the different remedies and potions that I have in there. And I think I might have told you this. My editor looked at it and she said, 425 pages cut it in half. She said, love joy. People are coming for hors d'oeuvres, not a seven course meal. Give them the hors d'oeuvres, the easy bites. So that's why it's cut down so much, but it's still all based on that foundation of research. So yes, all those little illustrations came out of my journal. And isn't that neat? I mean, I think that is those little dainty drawings. That's what's really special about all of your books and very endearing and intriguing and enticing, you know? And so I think that's a really huge message to say that, you know, certain people didn't agree and even teachers and authority figures and, and, um, but that you kept at it. Well, I, I can't stand it when I see people telling children what they're not capable of doing mm. because, you know, we think of Maria Montessori who said children have a mind like an absorbent sponge. I used to teach, uh, take kids on science walks, uh, ethnobotanical science walks. And I was told I couldn't talk about poisonous plants, but what if they, what if they chew on a, on a hemlock that looks like a fennel? Yeah. It doesn't smell like fennel, but it looks like fennel. So I showed them the stem of hemlock and I said, look at the splatters of red blood on the, on the stem. Those kids never forgot that there were splatters of red blood on hemlock and that it was deadly poisonous. They never, they wouldn't even touch it. So don't underestimate the brain of a child. We can learn from them. Absolutely. As long as we don't zip up their brains, we can learn from them. Absolutely. 
so it's March. Um, I start my seeds in April. Uh, so, but this took me a while to sort of figure out, and now I don't know why it did. I'm like, it, it seems pretty straightforward, but you know, we look at when when to plant outside. So for us, it's May fifteenth. Just looked online. Um, at a, at a calendar for the last frost in Michigan. And then I just go back six weeks. That's the easiest. And I know that there's variations. You can go back eight weeks or 10 weeks or 12 weeks or different things. But but for us, the time is coming. And I my seeds, I have my seeds. I, I, I brought up my little box. I've got my seeds, Thank mostly you. flowers, um, which is one thing that's interesting too, is that I've learned, now this is gonna be my third year, big year, kind of my fourth. I like the zinnias and I like, you know, I like the straw flowers and I like the Mexican sunflowers. So I, I'm learning what I like. So for, for people that are, you know, it's time to buy seeds and, um, you know, for, for a large swath of people, where, where are places that you like to buy your seeds? Uh, select seeds, uh, Renee's garden, uh, Baker heirloom. I mean, the thing is there are so many seed companies, just get online and look up seed companies, uh, Judith Lerner, Lowry's, uh, native plant seeds. Um, you know, there are just so many different seed companies. And for instance, I, um, I wanted to do a Baker, Creek heirloom seed thing. I wanted those little, have you seen those little Mexican gherkins? Yeah, I might have them. I'm going to look in my box. Adorable. They look like little baby watermelons. Yeah. And, and people trellis them and make little houses out yeah, of them. They're just darling. And they're good pickled. I mean, they're just absolutely wonderful. Wow. So they're little Mexican gherkins. You don't get many seeds in that packet, maybe 20 seeds or something like that. Um, I'm growing um, uh, Pepino Dulce. Uh, it's when you grow the Pepino Dulce, which you can grow there, when you open it up, it's like eating a custard. Kids just love that. It looks like a like Easter egg. There's so many species in California. I think it's one of the top 10 species for pollinators. We want to grow our natives because we want our native pollinators. Yes, I love honeybees, but you know, one hive, um, 50,000 bees, that's displacement of 50,000 native bees. And for instance, uh, our native bees can be out pollinating long before honey, honeybees can. Honeybees are efficient pollinators, but, um, you know, we have to also make room for our native bees. They're really important. So I have ordered a lot of oddball things because I'm giving half of my seeds to the uh, San Luis Obispo Botanical Garden for the children's garden. And I want those kids to try, you know, the Cinderella pumpkin and all those different things that are just that I found to be really popular in my community gardens that watching what they respond to, to a nursery or having a great book. It is full of wisdom. So, you know, I, I did um, over a hundred dollars worth of seeds from them and no, or not that much. I did Renee's was over a hundred dollars. And, you know, so we're talking about a lot of different seed packets. So uh, I'm going to be going for it in the next, I can start yeah. planning now. Jeff's making me, uh, making me more containers for my seedlings, but I can pretty much guarantee that I won't be getting a freeze yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. You're it's time. I did those, um, not just the Easter egg carrots, but there's, I think there's some called circus carrots. And then I did the really colorful uh, radishes that are not just, not just Easter egg, but just all these different colors. And I did just, 
I always try to think like a kid. Well, it's still going to tickle me to grow these things. Um, Watermelon radishes, they're beautiful. They're practically a salad in in their own right. Boom, boom, boom. A little bit of a little bit of uh, rice vinegar, and you've got a salad there. Um, So I did things with an eye toward kids, and I know that if it tickles me, it'll tickle them. And you know, and herbs. I'm just an herbaholic. So um, I just love herbs. So I have a lot of herbs coming too. So yeah, it's exciting time, you know, and I have a friend, you know, you don't have to buy from the expensive, you know, if they're a little more expensive, if you're starting out, I have a friend who goes to the dollar store, and then oh, he yeah. buys tons of seeds. And then he feels like, if they don't work out, or he just gets one pumpkin, you know, that it's not money wasted. And no, um, when one pumpkin's wonderful. And, yeah. you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the Seed Savers Exchange in Decorah, Iowa. That was one of the highlights of my life was going to the Seed Savers Exchange Aww. place and just seeing the grounds and seeing a barn full of things. So if you ever get a chance to go to Seed Savers Exchange, do that. I didn't know um, you could go there. I definitely have seeds from them, though. Savers Exchange also does a fest. We're doing. I, I'm sure they might start it again. Uh, a festival, and then of course, uh, Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds does a, a festival in uh, Santa Rosa, California. Wait, I didn't know this. We should meet yeah. up there. Um, so, <laughs> and then of course, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. They have the best. They have common ground. And it's the best place to see all these crops laid out so you can see what you want to grow. And uh, they have a lot of tastings of different things too. But, you know, just going to these local things is really important. I say shop shop locally for many of your things so that you know that they're attuned to your climate and to your growing conditions and get the weeds out for goodness sakes. You don't want that competition with the things in your garden and just have an evil eye go out there and and look and please don't just randomly spray things if you see something that looks like a maggot or a caterpillar that could be a green lacewing baby that could be the baby of an antlion that could be uh there are just so many good things that look you know weird that we're tempted to step on or crunch but they're helping the garden so you know you don't want to do that Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's so much to learn, and I think that's a really cool part of it, too. Um, I just didn't realize the breadth of it. Um, you know, you think, well, I can grow tomatoes or I can grow cucumbers, you know, but then you're like, well, you can grow the mini gherkins and you can grow lemon cucumbers and apple cucumbers. And, you know, this opened my eyes to the the immense variety in our world. I wanted to show a couple. Okay. A couple of my seeds. Do okay. Can I do it? Okay. okay. So these are from my Baker Creek. These are long beans. Oh, They're called yes. Chinese red noodle. So I'm in the year of like trying some really fun things that I didn't know existed. I'm trying moonflowers again. I haven't gotten my moonflowers to go. So I've got those. Um, I'm doing go- uh, loofahs. Yes. Yeah. So uh, my friend Nicole does those and uh, I haven't tried those before. They're so, the odd thing is when they're young, they're edible, but the Chinese. Oh, so what I did with those is once I harvested the, the mature loofahs and this was in my children's garden, I sliced them so that you have this beautiful, it's a beautiful design and we poured soap into them. So they're actually loofahs with soap in them and the soap hardened and it was wonderful. 
What a cool, you have the coolest ideas. I've not grown this before and I don't even know how to say it, but I think it will look pretty in my mix. Celosia. Celosia. Um, yeah, it kind of looks like a brain. The kids would say to me, look at the brains. Don't oh, they look all squidgled up? Oh, like cool. I'm excited about that. And then these are snake beans and they look like snakes. Chinese python. That. So um, I love this is one we're going to, it can be 60 inches. Isn't that amazing? Well, five feet. <laughs> so, you know, I've got a whole, um, a whole set of things here and some are just, you know, a, a couple dollars and we got a couple other special things, but. Um, You're not expensive. It does open your eyes to like what's in the world and how many exciting right. things then, there are. You look, at those, you look at those seeds and I'm thinking of a class that I was teaching about planning and we were planting things in barrels, half barrels, a bunch of children. And so I had, I had carrot seeds in my pocket. I always wear an apron and I had carrot seeds in my apron pocket to hand out. And I had carrots in the other pocket and I pulled out the seeds and the kids were looking at them. And, and I said, and guess what these turn into? And I pulled out the carrot and this little boy named Bodie Smith said, teacher, that'd be a miracle. And I thought, that's what all seeds are. All seeds are miracles. They're yeah. so amazing. Yeah. Oh, what a cool thing. Kids are the best, aren't they? Oh, yeah. So one of yeah, the things yeah. I really um, appreciate about your books is you give so much practical help. And I think that's what helped me get started. So in Roots, Shoots, Buckets, and Boots, you have a list of things that are easy to grow. The zinnias are, are in there. You know, they're easy to grow and they grow. A, a, yeah. I thought one seed would give me one flower. That's where I was with my gardening knowledge. And so then when one seed gave me, you know, five months of flowers, I, you know, I was hooked. <laughs> you know, this is a lot, right? One seed, five months of joy. So, um, so what are, if, if there are parents that are listening and they're scared like I was, what are, what are a couple good things, um, you know, that are fairly, uh, foolproof to start off with? Well, you know, I, when I had my gardens, my public gardens, I saw more interaction with pumpkins than anything. The kids just love the pumpkins and they love the sunflowers. And yeah, you, you may have to watch them when they're young because the squirrels and the chipmunks love them too. But, you know, just even if you have only a half barrel and I, I'm all for small gardens, just like I am for small drawings you know, go for some small space and just let that child. And the thing about a half barrel is that it's right at the right height for a child. You know, they can be filled with good soil, easy to water, easy to be at eye level or just below eye level. And you can, I grew a pumpkin that was about this big, just in a barrel. I put a lot of manure in it and I had it really good soil and the kids were just thrilled to water it, to see the male flowers and then the female flowers and to watch that ball behind the female flower start to develop and go from being a little green ball and bigger, bigger, bigger. You know, it's just. It looks like a head with a hat. It does. It does. Doesn't it? And so those are fun. You know, that's another thing is that baby plants are cute. They are. Just like baby animals, you know, like the baby birdhouse gourd is so cute. Oh, yes. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. 
Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Um, I, actually, Jeff, can you get that little gourd down that's on the shelf there by that that book? I want to show this to Jenny. See that gourd there? I, you know, I'm kind of crazy about gourds. So one of my readers, or somebody sent me this. This is one of these baby gourds and it's, they made it into a little fairy house and it's got little windows oh. and little. Oh, I can see it. Oh, how cute. I such oh, how fun. Isn't that great? Look at that little door and look how. Oh, how fun in the windows. Yeah. So, yeah, oh. you know, baby vegetables are sweet looking, but they're also good to eat. You know, those little micro microgreens and those little uh, those little mini gherkins and oh my gosh I love lemon cucumbers I love um, tomatillos and ground cherries um, Wheaton's at uh, Seed Savers have Aunt Molly's ground cherries I think Baker Creek has those too those ground cherries are so good they make such a good pie oh my gosh so and I think kids should grow yeah Aunt Molly's ground cherries make a terrific pie. They're just divine. They really are. Uh, And they're pretty easy to grow. And I actually like to grow them in a hanging basket. You know, it keeps the ground squirrels and the chipmunks from getting them. So, but, you know, there are a lot of really weird looking things that the kids love to grow. Have you ever seen a chenille plant? No. It just hangs down like a piece of chenille and it's wonderful or um, they love sensitive plants, you know, to be able to touch a sensitive plant and have it go and close up is just pretty exciting for them. So, you know, there are just, there's just so much that, that we can do with children and everybody seems to like miniature fairy gardens. And we also do what we call elf gardens for the boys. 
and have all miniature things like the mini gourds that are turned into houses and mini mini furniture out of out of wonderful natural things. So, in fact, well, I don't have it. It's 20 feet away, but I was going to show you a drawing I did with all these natural different things for fairy gardens. That, uh, the important thing being that kids need to understand that you can make your own toys. You don't need to buy toys. I was working with kids in Winston-Salem and I was working with some very poor children and I taught them how to make a jump rope out of dandelions and how to make crowns and rings. And this girl said to me, I won't ever feel poor again. I've got, she said, looked around and said, I got a toy shop all around me. So that was what was important to me for sunflower houses was letting kids realize that mother nature has a toy shop. You just have to know how to get inside that toy shop and use it. So that's so beautiful. It's so true. And it's so exciting. You know, it's just an accessible thing. Um, I know we're running a little low on time. You said at the very beginning, I love so many things. And when I've asked you before about all these different types of books you've written, you just say, you know, that you're just going after life and, and you love life and trying new things. So what are some things that you're learning about right now? I try to learn. I, For instance, I'm reading a book. I think it's called Lessons from Leaves. It's written by a Harvard professor. And I'm learning about phenotypic plasticity and how plants respond to light, how plants respond to overarching plants. And I'm learning about all these secret messages that plants, and this is written by a Harvard professor. And, you know, I read, this may sound weird, but I read Virgil every morning, Virgil. And so I read uh, the Georgics, which is all about farming. It's all about beekeeping and farming. I think he wrote it in 12 BC or something like that. I, I'm not quite sure when he wrote it. I mean, I, I should know it because I read it all the time. But I read the Georgics and I see this deep, deep reaching farming wisdom and apiculture wisdom and orchard wisdom. And I really like the trans. I've got other translations, but my favorite translation of the Georgics is by John Dryden. And I think he did it in the 19th century. You of all people should read the Georgics. Not that you have five minutes to spare, but the Georgics is a foundational piece for anybody who's interested in agriculture and gardening. I love it. What makes the crop joyous, Virgil asked, or and let no spot of idle earth be found, but cultivate the genius of the ground. The genius of the ground. This is only can be written by somebody who really watched and understood plants and, and the earth. So I learn stuff every day. And right now I've got the cutest little bush tit that's coming to my window and tapping on my window, sort of saying, Sharon, what's going on? <laughs> oh, I heard it. I, I love I love um, what I learn every day is really important to me. And I learn from readers. They write the best letters. I had a woman write me from Italy who said, here in my village in Italy, gardening is very traditional. You grow your tomatoes a certain way. And she said, now I have a teepee and I have this and I have people are stopping on the road and looking and scratching their heads and saying, what is going on here? So that makes me happy to do things a little differently. Do it with joy. Yeah, you can just add so much creativity to it. So Sharon, the last time we ended um, with a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours, and you talked about going to your grandma's in the colander and um, 
you know, so this is the second time that we've had you on, which, like I said, I'm so grateful um, that you've taken another hour to be with our listeners and um, and to just share about yourself. And uh, but one of the things that you talk a lot about is this is multi generational. Um, you know, that gardening is this thread that can run through several generations. So do you have a favorite um, memory of gardening with your grandkids? Well, I love all of, uh, I love all my memories, but I think, you know, I love painted lady runner beans. I'm hoping you ordered some painted lady runner beans. They're not like scarlet runner beans. They're coral and white and they're delicious to eat. And I think I ordered a couple packets from Renee's garden. Painted lady runner beans are easy to grow. They're, you know, I grow them up chicken wire. My husband covered posts that where nothing would grow with chicken wire. And so they grow up the chicken wire and they are delightful for hummingbirds. Hummingbirds love them. The flowers are edible. They're gorgeous in a salad, coral and white, just, ah. They taste like fresh green peas, you know, fresh snow peas or something like that. But the kids, I loved going out with them and they loved harvesting the bean pods and popping out the beautiful red and black beans. They're just gorgeous beans. And then we save them until the next year. And it's a great way to teach them not only the longevity of a a plant, but how you can pass that on through generations. So, and I, you know, I taught my daughter, my granddaughter, Sarah, about the story of the periwinkle, about the, I'm going to let you look at sunflower houses about that, but I was pulling periwinkle out that was taking over my garden, and Sarah said to me, oh, Amma, don't pull it out, I love that plant. When I walk out in the garden, I can see my grandchildren in various spots, and I just, you know, it's, it's that interwoven thread that goes through generations. When I see a bumblebee, I can hear my grandmother talking about it. I hope that in, when I'm gone, that my grandchildren will see a, a scarlet runner bean or a painted lady runner bean or periwinkle and think, oh, my Amma taught me about that. That's what I want. I hope all children get that ch- chance with grownups. And, I, and as I said in my handout about gardening, you know, not parallel time, interwoven time. Yeah. Don't talk on your phone when you're out in the garden with your children. Don't yeah. do that just get down on your knees while you can still get on your knees and enjoy every experience. Don't do parallel time, do interwoven time. That's You're going to bless those hours that you spent together. Well, Sharon, thank you. Um, Root Shoots, Buckets and Boots, you know, I've said this before, but I think it's a book that every family, you know, should try and have a copy of if at all possible. I think it would be like a really amazing baby shower gift, um, a bridal shower gift, you know, as we're sort of heading into that season, um, you know, just a staple for for someone's home. Like I said, it's not only my favorite gardening book, but it's a favorite of all the books um, that Thank I you. own, activities to do in the garden. And they're all fabulous. Um, you know, I cannot say enough about and just Oh, they're so enticing. A garden of giants. Every page. And you and I talked about that, that you that you tried to make every page. And it is truly like that. Um, every page is just filled with so much information and, and practical. How do you support uh, vines and, and doing the ropes? Um, and so, Sharon, if people want to buy your books, uh, if they want to find you, I know you've got an active Instagram account. Where are some good places for people to find information about you and your books? Well, I'm Sharon Lovejoy, author on Instagram. And I love 
Instagram, seeing what people are doing. And I'm on Facebook at Sharon Lovejoy. Oh, am I? And Jeff's going SharonLovejoy.com. <laughs> yeah, you have a website. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah I'll link and, to know, all of go, it. Go to a lo- local bookstore. Go, uh, go to a seed company that carries it, especially independent bookstores. Ask yeah. them for it. Order it. Or the big one. I'm not going to say the word, but you know, it does. Yeah, we know. <laughs> it gets books to us easily, but, and I'm happy to, I, what I do when I get book orders is I give the people bookmarks. I give them a thing called celebrations that shows what you can do with children for very oddball um, holidays that I made up actually different celebrations you can have. And then I also give them the recipe for growing a gardener because I think it's critical. So yeah, yes. it's fun. Yes. Well, Sharon, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. It's gardening season. So thank you for joining us right at this time. I know it was early for you and I so appreciate it. And uh, we're going to be following along with each other, I think, in this coming gardening season. Um, and uh, and hopefully we'll maybe connect at one of these events someday. That would be so lovely. Thank you for what you do for children. I appreciate it. I really do. Much Thanks, love. Sharon. Much love. Yay! You Thank you. Well, Thank we had, you. We had some technical difficulties, but are you you're okay? I'll be able to edit it. We might lose a word here or there, but that's okay. The whole as a whole, it will be beautiful and I'm it's just such a right timing. So, um so thank you. Are you going to go have your tea now? I'm going to go have tea and yes. uh, Jeff had we we take the kids to the school and do all this stuff. So yeah. um, I'll be picking them up today and bringing them home to pop popcorn. They love that. You know, that is something I love is strawberry popcorn. I just love it. And I love growing popcorn and then popping it in a bag in the microwave. It's fun. Oh, I didn't even know you could do that. You know, you just know so many things. I'm, I'm blown away. You should grow strawberry popcorn. They're so cute. They look like little strawberries. With a little. Okay. And, um, I think I have them in root shoots, buckets, and boots, but it is fun to grow them. And then you simply microwave them, but you have to put them in a sealed bag. You know, you tie the bag closed and it's hilarious. <laughs> wow. Uh, Sharon, you just know the coolest stuff. Thank you. Thank you for sharing it in such a beautiful way.
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.